Second Chronicles chapter 8, verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of twenty years, wherein Solomon had built the house of the Lord and his own house, too, that the cities which Huram had given to Solomon, Solomon built them, and caused the children of Israel to dwell there. That is Hiram the king of Tyre that it's talking about. He was friends with the king of Tyre, and that king gave him some extra cities, I guess outside of Israel, so there were Israelites living outside of Israel. 3. And Solomon went to Hamath Zobah and prevailed against it. 4. And he built Tadmor in the wilderness and all the store cities which he built in Hamath. He went to Hamath Zobah and somehow he overpowered them. It could have been because he had a lot of money. I'm not sure why, because it doesn't exactly say that he went to war and he had peace during most of his reign, but he may have done something that caused them to submit to him. He used that area to create store cities where he would store all his hordes of wealth. And Solomon did have so much wealth that it makes sense that he would have to have cities to store it in. 4. Also he built Beth-Haran the upper and Beth-Haran the nether, fortified cities with walls, gates, and bars. These cities were located in a strategic place. That's why he had them fortified, because if you could take those cities, then you could take a larger region of the Israelites' territory. He had those two cities fortified, but those cities existed before the Bible says he built them. What it means is he rebuilt them. 6. And Baalath and all the store cities that Solomon had, and all the cities for his chariots, and the cities for his horsemen, and all that Solomon desired to build for his pleasure in Jerusalem, and in Lebanon, and in all the land of his dominion. Solomon continued building throughout most of his reign. And this actually became a point of contention with some of the men during Solomon's time because they were always being conscripted, not as warriors, but as builders. And they didn't have time to do their own building projects because they had to build for Solomon. They did get paid. They were still kind of forced into these continuous building projects that never ended. And Solomon mentions this in the book of Ecclesiastes, that he built and he built and he built, and it was all vanity. And it was, because he ended up spending so much time building and not being focused on the Lord, that he eventually turned to paganism <clears throat> because his wives influenced him to turn to paganism. His life became all about amassing wealth and finding places to store it and pleasing his wives. And that's not a very good life for a man to live. Even though he was the most wealthy man who ever lived, he was not happy in the end. 7. As for all the people that were left of the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites who were not of Israel, 8. Of their children that were left after them in the land, whom the children of Israel consumed not, of them did Solomon raise a levy of bondservants unto this day. And that means unto the day that this was written, which is hundreds of years before Christ was born. They had to pay Kind of like taxes, but they paid taxes in manpower. They had to supply so many men and women to be servants to King Solomon, and that was how they paid their taxes or their tribute to him. These 
pagans were living in Israel during the entire history of Israel. In fact, there's probably Jebusites living in Jerusalem this very day, although they probably don't know that they're descended from Jebusites, but I'm sure there are. There would have to be, because the Jebusites, which were pagans, were living in Israel during the whole history of Israel. Because Israel never completely followed the commandment of the Lord in expelling all of the pagans out of the land. There were some pagans that they never got rid of. 9. But the children of Israel did Solomon make no servants for his work, but they were men of war, and chief of his captains, and rulers of his chariots, and of his horsemen. The Israelite men did have to work for Solomon, but not as builders, it's saying. They had to either be soldiers, or they had to oversee his wealth. 10. And these were the chief officers of King Solomon, even 250 that bore rule over the people. He had 250 chief officers. And those officers oversaw all the work that the Israelites were doing for Solomon. And Solomon brought up the daughter of Pharaoh out of the city of David unto the house that he had built for her. For he said, No wife of mine shall dwell in the house of David, king of Israel, because the places are holy, whereunto the ark of the Lord hath come. That made sense, because the daughter of Pharaoh would be pagan, and she would have practiced witchcraft and sorcery during her life, because that's what the Egyptians did. Solomon didn't want her living where the ark of the covenant had been or anywhere near it. So he built her a house separate, and this was honoring to her, I'm sure, but it was also honoring to the Lord to separate her from the things of the Lord. He really shouldn't have married her in the first place. What would have made a lot more sense is to not marry a pagan in the first place. Now, Joseph had married a princess of Pharaoh, so Joseph married a pagan woman too in ancient times. But he, in a sense, didn't have a choice. There would be no other wife for him. And he assimilated his family into the Israelites' family, which means they would have practiced what the Israelites did. But in Solomon's case, when he married pagan women, he ended up practicing pagan things instead of assimilating them into the Israelite culture and religion. 12. Then Solomon offered burnt offerings unto the Lord on the altar of the Lord, which he had built before the porch. After he made a house for himself and a separate house for his wife, then he offered more burnt offerings to thank the Lord. 13. Even as the duty of every day required, offering according to the commandment of Moses on the Sabbaths, and on the new moons, and on the appointed seasons, three times in the year, even in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and in the Feast of Weeks, and in the Feast of Tabernacles. That means that early on in Solomon's reign, he was keeping all of the ordinances, just like his father told him to do, just like the Lord told him to do. He was doing all the sacrifices and keeping all the feasts and other festivals of the Lord in the beginning. 14. And he appointed according to the ordinance of David his father the courses of the priests to their service. This means the schedule of what priests worked on what day and how long they worked and what they did. And the Levites to their charges to praise and to minister before the priests. The Levites, they actually had a job of singing 
to the Lord. That is so beautiful that some of them had to sing and worship the Lord, and other ones helped the priests with the sacrifices and did other things. As the duty of every day required, the doorkeepers also by their courses at every gate. Every gate was monitored by doorkeepers, and that would mean that the donation boxes were also monitored, because that's where the donation boxes were located, to give your tithe and your offering. For so had David the man of God commanded, and this is what the father of Solomon commanded. 15. And they departed not from the commandment of the king unto the priests and Levites concerning any matter or concerning the treasures. The treasures would be not only the money that came into the temple that was put in the offering boxes, but also any gold or silver that was collected for the temple or that had been collected and sanctified for the temple use. And all of the priests that were ministering obeyed the king to the letter. 16. So all the work of Solomon was set in order from the day of the foundation of the house of the Lord, and until it was finished, so the house of the Lord was perfected. Perfected means finished. That's what this verse tells us. You and I will be perfected when Jesus has finished all of his work in us, and we are meeting him in heaven face to face. That's pretty beautiful. He's still doing his work in us. That doesn't mean that we can be lazy and turn to wanton sin. But it does mean that we're always going to be growing. No matter how close we are to the Lord, he's always going to bring us closer and make us more pure. 17. Then went Solomon to Ezion Geber and to Eloth on the seashore in the land of Edom. He went west to where the sea is. 18. And Huram sent him by the hands of his servants ships and servants that had knowledge of the sea. And they came with the servants of Solomon to Ophir, and fetched from thence four hundred and fifty talents of gold, and brought them to King Solomon. Ophir was somewhere possibly northwest of Israel, across the Mediterranean Sea. King Hiram offered his ships and his men to Solomon, and then some of Solomon's men joined Hiram's men, and traveled to this distant place to get gold, which was probably the finest gold. And of course, King Hiram would have had his take of it, but I'm sure Solomon got most of it because Hiram was submissive to Solomon, not the other way around. Hiram's kingdom probably got some sort of fee for their service, but the bulk of that wealth would have gone to King Solomon. And that concludes Second Chronicles chapter 8.